1: And deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
2: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, it is. Thursday, January nineteenth, twenty twenty-three, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. Live on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces, you can hear the show in its entirety. Shortly sure, thereafter, on the MMA Fighting podcasting network. Hello there. I am Mike Heck. Appreciate you joining us live or listening after the fact. We are on the eve of the eve of UFC two eighty-three, which goes down in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, this Saturday. Two title fights. We got the vacant light heavyweight title fight in the main event, Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill. We have the flyweight championship unification bout, the Tetralogy Part 4, Davis and Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno. Cannot wait for that fight. Gilbert Burns versus Neil Magny and much more. And there's a lot going on in the world of MMA. Since we last spoke, we have heard Dana side of the Francis Ngannou situation, and then a couple of hours after we wrapped up on Tuesday, we heard Francis Ngannou's side of the story, and it was a fascinating interview. My initial reaction to it was, we don't really deserve Francis Ngannou, to be perfectly honest with you, because there was a whole different route Francis could have taken there, and he he certainly had every right to just go out there and blast Dana and blast the promotion. But I actually thought he handled himself very well, quite professionally, a lot of class. Uh, He could have definitely taken a darker road, but he didn't. Uh, But he was still telling the truth at the same time, at least his truth. Some people believe what he had to say. Some people side with Dana. That's just the way that it is. It's sports. You could have different opinions on different things. So uh, I thought it was a fascinating interview. I thought Ariel did a tremendous job getting all the big points out. As of right now, no real decision on what is next for Francis Ngannou. Seems like if he had his druthers, his next fight will be in the boxing ring. He did call it, uh, I believe it was Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury if he had his choice. I don't think he gets either of those two fights, but who knows? Maybe MVP or Misfits Boxing can chuck him in there for something. We'll see where he ends up in MMA. There's a lot going on, and we can talk about that. We could talk about 283. We could talk about a lot of other stuff. I see some people lining up. We're going to start the show off a little bit differently because this is—I mean, this is a global sport, right? And people listen to the show at all times. Not everyone can be in here live. Not everyone can be here in the group with all of us. So they don't really get to ask questions or anything like that. So I did get some some Instagram DMs with some questions because they're in different parts of the world. They can't jump on. They have questions they want answered. Uh, so there's three of them that I have, and I'm going to get to all of you guys. So uh, let's just go to these real quick. Skylar Shademan, heck of a morning, Mike. I can't believe that we have fallen for this tired sports cliché that it wasn't about the money and that it's about respect. I've watched the NFL for way too many years to know that it's hundred percent about the money all the time. And the UFC is no different. Francis isn't dumb. He's 36 years old. This is his last opportunity to make the absolute most amount of money he can. And so he asked for three things. He knew the UFC would never concede, but that everyone except for Dana White and the UFC feels like all fighters should get. One of them is shockingly about money with sponsorships. He knew that he wasn't going to get any of that extra stuff would look like a martyr for fighters everywhere, and then would test the open market where he's going to make an absurd amount of money because that's what free agency does. Look at any NFL free agent, even those who are average, slightly above average like Christian Kirk. But the UFC said they offered him a contract that would make him the highest paid heavyweight, quote unquote, or quote unquote, the coach said the UFC came right. These comments are so funny because they are exactly what both sides are supposed to say in the situation. The UFC... So they could push their bullshit narrative that they did everything they could, but Francis doesn't want to take the risk. And for Francis to make it look like he actually wanted to stay, but he had to stand on his principles. If Francis had boxing money wafting through his nostrils like cartoon characters being drawn to a pie on the windowsill, then you know that being the highest paid heavyweight is scratching the bottom of the barrel of the pay that one boxing match could get. Look at what Conor was paid before pay-per-view buys, or even Fury fighting a no-name in his last fight for a guaranteed 25 mil before pay-per-view. Like every narrative, this thing falls in the middle, and everyone has wanted to stray so far from the UFC side because of how utterly ridiculous their press conference was that they've fallen in the cliche trap. Let's have an honest, real-world view that Francis is chasing the bag he very rightly deserves and would never get close close to in the UFC. This is an interesting take. Part of me agrees with some of this. The other part is MMA is not the NFL. The UFC is not the NFL. So it's a little bit different. The money structure is way different. Pay structure is way different. Ultimately, to me, I I don't – the one thing I really don't agree with is that both sides are saying what they should be saying because Francis – like I said earlier, I feel like he did the right thing here. He could have gone a whole different route with this, and he didn't. And then Dana just buried him on the way out. And to me, that's just not the way you should do things. Because who knows? What if John Jones goes out there and just bolts Cyril Gaṇ, And then he fights Stipe Miocic, right? And he just goes out there and wrecks Stipe. What's the fight that every single person is going to be clamoring for? They're still clamoring for it, but what's the fight at that point that everyone's going to be asking about? That everyone's going to be tweeting about? It's John Jones versus Francis Ngannou. It's at the peak. It couldn't get any higher. So why bury the man on the way out when you could potentially get this guy back? For I mean, if that happens with John, I mean that's the. I mean that could be the biggest fight in UFC history. So, I don't know. I do get where you're coming from. Both sides want what they want. I'm I'm, I'm sure Francis wants the big bag. But I honestly think, to me, it's, it's – the bag of money is important. But he wants to be able to look himself in the mirror and say, I'm happy with what I'm doing. I, I truly believe that. I truly believe that. And maybe that was – maybe that was his plan. Maybe just throwing out these things he knew he couldn't get. But one of the things I thought was interesting that he said to Ariel was, let's negotiate here. Like, give me something. Meet me halfway on something. Um, and they just they wouldn't do it. So I think Francis handled himself very well. Dana could have handled it better. I know some of you out there, oh, Mike's just ripping Dana again. No, Dana does this to everybody, but he should he could have handled it better. But Interesting take on this. Uh, we'll take two more of these. Connor Buckley. Hi there, Mike. Huge fan of MMA fighting. Great website and yourself particularly. Heck of morning gets you through the early morning slog at work often. I do have one issue, however. I live in New Zealand, which presents a problem because the program is usually live on Twitter space sometime between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. my time, which means it's near impossible for me to hop in and share my thoughts. I guess I was just wondering if I'd be able to ask a question, make a comment that you mentioned on the show. I understand if you don't want to mention live since you have the whole phone and live thing going on. uh, I get that if you say yes to me, you may end up flooded with people in your DMs. Hey, listen, it is what it is. Uh, Therefore, changing the premise of the show. I'm not going to do this all the time, by the way. So I completely respect and understand any way you decide to do this. Even if you decide not to mention it on Heck of Morning, I'd love to know your opinion thoughts on this. With the upcoming pay-per-view in Brazil being less so, the next three confirmed pay-per-views have very large stakes in the grand scheme of things. Both becoming double champ or Islam's dynasty, beginning with the scalp of the number one pound-for-pound fighter right now, John Jones's return, and then Edwards versus Usman in a very competitive and bottlenecked 170-pound division. With the prospect of a McGregor return, Izzy Alex rematch, Cejudo, I know, return, and potentially all sorts of other goodies, how might 2023 stack up in terms of headline year? I've pretty much been following the UFC for a year and a half, two years, so I'm pretty green, but it seems like this year has the potential to be quite frankly mental in terms of star power and drama. Just realized I've written a small novel, and for that I apologize. a heck of a morning, Mike. Cheers for all the excellent content you and your team put out. Keeps me in the loop. Yeah, uh, I do think 2023 could be a headline-worthy year. Uh, I, I still think to this point 2016 is the most crazy year in the history of the sport. Craziest year in the history of the UFC with the UFC 199 drama, Conor and Nate, Conor winning the second belt, uh, UFC 200, everything that happened there, of course, the sale of the company. Uh, It was just a crazy-ass year, and it's going to take a lot to beat 2016. However, I think – I mean, it's January 19th right now, and this is already on its way to becoming that – Yes, the fights are interesting. Yes, getting John Jones back is is big. Conor coming back would be massive. Cejudo, we'll see, i believe, when I see it. Um, but it's some of the darker stuff that could take over this whole thing. What's going to happen with this Dana White situation? That's obviously the biggest story in the sport still, even with all the stuff going on. Um, and then the James Krause situation, which... Is just going to keep getting worse. I mean, we heard the we we saw Nevada suspend Jeff Molina. Uh, the UFC put out a statement saying they're not going to book him for anything until this whole investigation into the the gambling stuff comes to a close and he's somewhat cleared. But like I said before, there is I I mean, like I, we have been digging into this for months, constantly. And what I will say is this. Have I heard there are fighters involved? Yes. And the last thing I'll say about it is if I mean, even if a third of what I've been told is true and we can verify this, holy shit, this is a whole different thing altogether. So uh, those two stories in particular are going to make this a really interesting year. And then we'll see how the fights all play out and who gets in there. But uh, if there's any year that has a shot of catching 2016 with the way we've started this year, it's, it's this one. It's definitely this one, but again, it's going to take a lot to, to be 2016. All right, we'll do one more and then we'll get to you guys. Uh, This is from Sean. Uh, Jesus Christ. Hey Mike, I know this is against your new year's resolution but I felt compelled to bring it up anyways. I understand if you don't want to talk about it, but I wanted to bring it up. A few shows ago on Weighing In, Josh Thompson and John McCarthy reacted to the Dana White situation. While Josh's, Josh's message was kind of on point, I couldn't help but notice he went out of his way to give the media crap once again, like he always does, particularly about the reactions and potential repercussions for Dana. Dana. Well, Josh didn't mention any names, it seems obvious to me that he was singling or in this case doubling out you and Ariel for how you guys have reacted to it, calling for penalties and calling for his head, which is a little strange because I haven't really seen anyone in the media call for his head or even to lose his job. In fact, Big John's suggestion for a punishment was pretty much exactly what you suggested and Josh was okay with that. If you don't want to, I understand, but I wanted to give you the floor to react to it If you have seen it, thank you for reading or even if you don't for all the content. (sighs) I don't want to react to this, but I will. Um, I have seen the clip because a million people sent it to me. And I mean, this is just, this is, it's just silly. I mean, it really is just silly because Josh mentioned like clickbait and, calling us out for wanting repercussions for Dana, which, by the way, like this person said, uh, I suggested exactly the same thing as John McCarthy if we're going to punish him. We, ultimately, we don't think anything's going to happen. But to me, it wasn't Dana loses his job. It's that he sits out for a few months, three to six months, does counseling, donates to a DV charity, Works with the DV charity, cuts a PSA, and then he can come back. And then, yeah, I mean, that's all we wanted to begin with. We wanted the UFC an Endeavor to take a stance and say, hey, what he did was wrong. Nobody that works with us should be doing this. And there will be punishment if you do. Uh, and again, whether Josh heard what I said or not, I don't really care at this point. Um, I suggested essentially what John McCarthy did pretty much verbatim. The one thing that also said, I was like, all oh, these so-called media members are just jumping on the train. Cause like the thing to talk about, it's just not true. It's the biggest story in the sport. How can we not talk about it? And plus we're on a fucking Colin show. So and would people ask about it, what am I supposed to say? No, I'm not going to talk about it. Cause I don't want to be I, I I don't want to be part of this I don't want to you know just ride the the news train no so no I don't agree with anything he said it's dumb um and that's it and I don't do I think he was singling me out maybe um if he was he certainly didn't listen to a single word I said about this but I don't know if he did or not and I don't really care um I will say because people send me these clips all the time and I don't know why I keep watching them uh i will say john mccarthy is killing it i i i I think the way he reacted to this was was spot on and that's it and i actually like josh's josh's message as well outside of that like listen let's not like I, i understand where he's come from he doesn't like dana him and dana don't get along he doesn't want to deal with the repercussions, and i that's fine. Like, you can have that stance, but he took that road just to shit on the media, and I don't care. Whatever. Uh, so there you go. That's my reaction to it. It was not a good one, and John was spot on. So there you go. All right, let's go to you guys. Thank you for your patience. Thank you to those who submitted those messages, and let's go. Double A, what's up? hello
3: hello how you doing i got you what's up how you doing mate you good mm-hmm. um i just got, i just got two for you um
4: thoughts on um billy q versus um crap Krapod- who um that's a barbosa there you go Edson barbosa sorry it's uh, um and um your fight of the night for 283 that's all i've got have a heck of a morning everyone take care of yourselves and peace
2: um let me just pull up the card real quick uh I, B- billy q versus Barbosa is awesome i mean come on just insane that april 15th card is is starting to look pretty good fight of the night i mean my first thought was terrence mckinney is Mel bonfim because terrence mckinney is always in fun fights um, and I do think that one's gonna be a little more competitive than most think. Uh, I am very interested in Luan Lacerda versus Cody Stamen, although I think it's too early in the card to net such a, an honor, if you will. Uh, I think Gregory Rodriguez, Bruno Ferreira is gonna be absolute madness. Both those guys just go in there and throw bombs. But this might be a this might be a shocker. This might stun some people. But after sort of watching some tape and just looking at things, I'm going to say it is going to be Jessica Andrade versus Lauren Murphy. I'm going to go with that. Because I, th- I don't think a lot of people are giving Lauren enough credit. Uh, she's just a dog, man, and she's so durable. And Jessica is a monster and can finish most people. Uh, but I don't think, I, I just don't see Lauren as somebody, I mean, maybe she finished. Hold on, I'm doing multiple things. Um, Lauren's very durable. I know Valentina finished her and there's a lot about that story, but she still, I mean, she took an ass whooping in that fight and and made it to, to the championship round, so. I'm going to go with that one. I think it's going to be a gnarly fight. I think Jessica's going to have success early. I think Lauren can weather the storm. And I think by the end, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to pick Lauren to pull off the upset, but I'll tell you, after just breaking this one down and watching a bunch of their fights, Lauren is live. She's definitely live in this fight. I know it's not a very popular opinion, and I know – kind of a casual perspective thinks I'm out of my mind, but I think that fight's going to be a freaking dog fight. So I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to go with that one as my final pick. Because the main card fight, those, um, those normally get the carte blanche, if you will. Uh, let's go to Jack. Jack, are you there?
1: and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
2: Uh, let's go to Rapid. We're going to get to everybody, I promise. We're going to go get into this thing and try to get everybody, as many as we can in the next 45 minutes or so. Raphid, hello. Hey, how
5: are you doing? Hope you're having a good morning. So today... You too, man. Thank you. So Tuesday night, I made the prediction that Francis Nagano uh, was going to announce the PFL. Obviously, it, it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't correct, but I hope it could still happen. But my question to you is, uh, what do you think about Francis Nagano uh, telling Dana White that I'm obviously not scared uh, to fight John Jones, but Dana White is saying that he's scared, which I think is ridiculous. Francis Nagano ain't scared of nobody. So your thoughts on that, and I would also like to get your prediction on Jamal Hill and Glover Teixeira. Thank you. Hope you have an amazing day.
2: You too, my friend. I appreciate you hopping on. Uh, No, he did not sign with the PFL. Um, I'm sure every single promotion is offering him something at this point. Um, I honestly have no idea what he's going to do. Like, I'd love to crawl in his head and see and predict what's going to happen here. But um, these promotions are going to have to come correct. Not just with the money, but they're going to have to and I think Bellator and PFL will allow him to go box and and I kind of feel like like I understand the Jake Paul thing and getting Jake and Francis together is a very big deal, but I, th- I honestly think Bellator is like a really good spot for him. I understand it's a big financial undertaking to lock him down. Uh, it's gonna take it's gonna take some money. Do I think anyone's gonna offer him like eight million dollars a fight? No, I don't think so at all. And the UFC wasn't offering him that either. They were offering him close to that for the John Jones fight, but that doesn't mean he's going to make that in every single fight that he had. Um, So I think if any of these promotions come to him with like a three fight deal, allow him to box and do other things, I I think they got a shot at him. I think they got a shot at him. So I don't, I honestly have no idea. (laughs) I see. I have no idea where he's going to sign. And I think we're all in agreement. The notion that Francis is scared to fight. John Jones is crazy. In fact, He said in the three-fight deal, he wanted John twice. John, Stipe, John. So, yeah, that that whole thing is ridiculous. The Glover-Jamal Hill fight, I mean, I think everything's on the table here. Um, What are the betting odds? The last I checked, uh, Jamal Hill was the favorite, but I just want to take a gander. Where are we at right now? Uh... Yep, Jamal Hill minus 135, Glover at plus 115. I think Glover, I mean, to me, like, my gut has been telling me since this fight was officially announced that Glover's just going to tackle him and kill him. Um, she's going to either beat him up or submit him. The Tiago Santos fight just really sticks out in my mind, and Tiago took him down, I think, six times in that fight. Glover doesn't need six takedowns downs to win. Glover needs one or two. Uh, And Jamal is good. Like, Jamal has good defensive instincts when it comes to wrestling. But Glover's not your typical wrestler. He just wears on you and uses that big frame and just kind of mushes you to the ground. And then once he gets you there, it's really tough to get get him off of you. So to me, this has kind of the Jan fight vibes to it but let's be clear. If Jamal Hill went out there and knocked Glover Teixeira out in the first round. It would not shock me in any way. So, um, so I'm back. I'm back in Glover. Cause I, I just think he has more ways to win. There is no dispute that Glover has fought by a million miles, tougher competition than Jamal Hill has. Glover's got the home field advantage. I don't know if that'll rattle Jamal Hill at all. I don't know if the travel will rattle him at all. Um, But I just think Glover's good. Because I I think Glover can knock out Jamal Hill. And the Paul Craig fight kind of sticks out in my mind, too. Like, how much... I mean, Paul was able to just submit him, and that was an ugly submission. And if Paul Craig can do that to Jamal Hill, I mean, what can Glover Teixeira do? So, yeah. Jamal could catch him, knock Glover out, sure. I mean, he's coming off a 25-minute war of attrition with Yuri Prohashka. And... He took bombs from Yuri for a long time, but how much, how much of a toll did that take? So, well, I wouldn't be surprised if Jamal Hill wins. My pick, and it's kind of, it's pretty, it, it is a confident one. Uh, my pick is Glover Teixeira finishing either round two, or round three. Um, something on the ground, either be a TKO or, or a submission. But again, nothing would surprise me either way. Let's go to Tristan. Hi, Tristan. What's up?
6: All right, so it's uh, Big Marcel tweeted that Valentino Chatea will be facing Alexa Grasso March 4th. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, seriously, you're going to do this? Like, I understand. That. Now, I understand that you'll see they're in a tight spot. They're in a very, very tight spot. They had to get another championship fight on there. I get that. I understand that. But now... You screw everything. I mean, come on. Like, I don't understand. Now, if you couldn't get the Nunes trilogy, I understand that or whatever. But you could. I don't understand why they from the from the jump they should have been like, all right, we're running it back with uh, with uh, Valentina versus Santos and run that back. And you could have put that on the March fourth card, but it was too late because you already made the fight with Erin Blackfield. And Blackfield, if you if you take Santos off that card and put her in the March fourth, Blackfield's not going to fight because she needs a full training camp, and you're changing her opponent. And that, and then Manel Ferro, she couldn't do it because she, um she, she suffered an injury and she had knee surgery and she's not and, and she's not ready. She said she wanted one more fight. Alexa Grasso had to say, said the same thing and she wanted one more fight before she fought Valentina. Then you would have then I would have put Caitlyn Chick I would have put uh Manel Ferro versus um Alexa Grasso. That would make more sense. Now you screw Grasso out because if she loses, it's a wrap for her. Like, she's never getting another title shot. I don't understand what the UFC is doing. I'm sorry I'm getting upset. This is ridiculous, man. This is stupid. Whatever. But whatever. UFC is going to do whatever because, oh, we got to get this fight. We got to get the championship fight in. Valentina's ready. We're going to pick Grasso. She's not ready, man. She's going to get She's gonna get murked. She's going to get melted. Like, I understand, man. What are the UFC doing, man? This is stupid. I, this is dumb. You, you know, you just react to this, Mike, whatever. I'm, I'm done, man. I'm
2: Wow. That was incredible. Damn. I was curious because there's also rumors out there that Amanda Nunez is going to fight on that card as well against Irini Aldana. So I'm sure that could potentially piss Tristan off even more that not only are they not going to that Nunez Shevchenko well, they're both going to fight on the same card against different opponents. Uh, potentially. Um, Here's what I'll say about Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso. And I'm going to tell you this from a business perspective, because this is a a rule that I like to share so often. And a lot of you know this rule and bring it up on the show all the time. You may have noticed that while a lot of people have reported this fight, you may have noticed that on MMAfighting.com, we have not reported this fight. And I bet you're thinking to yourself, why? Do you just not have the sources to report such a fight? Uh, The answer is yes, we do. Uh, The answer is we confirmed some information minutes later. But here's what I can tell you. Those two are going to fight each other. The fight has been agreed on both sides. The contention at the moment is the date. What I'm told is that it may or may not happen March 4th. It is going to happen. The fight has been agreed to. It might happen March 4th. It might happen April 8th. We don't know yet. Uh, that's why we have not reported it. Uh, I can tell you the fight has been agreed upon. Um, but it was just, especially if this Nunez, Aldana information is true. Do you really want to chuck three title fights on this card? I don't think you necessarily need it. Because of the John jones Gon fight, it's going to be massive. Um, it could very well happen March 4th. One source told me it's kind of up in the air, but they believe March 4th will be the date. Um, but it's not done yet. The fight is happening. But happening March 4th, as of 12 hours ago, Still not done for March fourth, so we'll we'll wait. We'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, it could be announced could be announced in the next couple of days, but I can't tell you that fight is going to happen. Is it going to happen March fourth? It's fifty fifty, like literally fifty fifty, because it could happen April eighth, especially if the Nunes fight comes to fruition. Because that one, that one doesn't seem like it's a done deal either. So. Um, developing is what I can say so yeah sorry Tristan looks like the fight's going to happen but um, it is not locked in for March 4th that I can tell you from multiple conversations that myself and the MMA fighting crew have had but yeah sorry to burst your bubble I maybe maybe you had some hope that I had some different information but um, no those two are going to fight each other both sides are in It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. Let's go to
3: Toke. Hey, buddy. Fire. My God. It's been a while since I've heard him like that. Jeez. (laughs) Gotta love it. Oh, (laughs) that got me fired up. It's amazing. So I want to talk about the stupidest fight that is on this upcoming card. So (laughs) just to... uh, go off on a small tangent as well because we're going to see the what's what are we going to call it the ugliest kickboxing fight in history because we're going to see johnny walker against paul craig because paul craig he believes in his hands he's told us this multiple times he believes in his hands and we have a perhaps gun shy johnny walker i know he won against ian kutalaba but he has had, let's just say, chin issues. And I don't, I, haven't really, I don't really trust that they're gone. And I don't think that he has the full, I'm going to go in there and uh, actually just decapitate someone. Which was why we fell in love with him in the first place. So I think we're going to get booing Brazilians. I'm sorry the Johnny Walker is, is not going to go in there and actually pray, uh, make use of his advantage in the striking game. It's just going to be point kickboxing with Paul Craig, who is not a kickboxer, by the way. Um, and it's gonna, it's gonna suck. This is gonna be the inverse fight of the night. And it's gonna be a horrible start to the pay-per-view. And, uh, Tell me that I'm wrong. That's fine. I just wanted to get that off my chest. Brazil! It's a weird fight,
2: man. Like, it's a weird fight. It's one of those fights where you see it right away and you're like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Like, two ranked guys getting after it. Both guys are typically finishers. This is interesting. And then the more you look at it, the more you feel like, I don't know, man. This could be a tough hang. I could see a world where Johnny is a little more aggressive. Maybe he knocks Paul down a couple of times and Paul is kind of hesitant to get back up. I don't know, man. Like, it's it's a wild card fight. I have no idea what is going to happen with that one. Um, We'll see. Uh, There's a part of me that's just hoping Johnny Walker is just that aggressive, crazy Johnny Walker that, like you said, we've all sort of fallen in love with. Um, but I'm not really sure if we're going to get that. But who knows? Maybe fighting in Brazil, getting that crowd behind him. It's been a while. It's been over three years since they've been to Brazil, and the last time they've had a card in Brazil, it was right when the pandemic started, so they did it in an empty arena. That crowd's going to be electric. They're going to be on fire. So maybe that'll maybe they'll pump up Johnny Walker to go out there and try to melt him. And if that happens, then it's going to be fun. But I understand the trepidation. I understand the hesitation. But yeah, it's kind of a tough one to, to kick off the card with. I almost wish they would put Murphy on Drudge first. Because I, I honestly, I think that fight's going to be a freaking war. It's either going to be a war or it's going to be a quick finish. Uh, but I don't see the latter. So I think it's just going to be a fun-ass fight. Maybe they shift things. Who knows? But I'm with you. I, uh, I have no idea what the hell's going to happen in that one uh let's go to dan hi dan dan are you there
5: hello what's up hi, man? mike thanks for having me on and thanks for the great content the last few months these have been the uh, highlight of my day of late i've got two questions to pose if you'll have me first being
2: what would the worst option for france's realistically be I'm going to propose my idea of hell and it'd be Francis signing with a new promotion in a new weight division. Your own Jed recently broke. That'd be Francis Ngannou turning up for the pay-per-view finale of Dana White's snap league and competing in the 265 pound weight division. Follow-up question being, can you see a world where any current or former UFC fighter moves over to that circus? Sorry to put that nightmare in your psyche and have a heck of a morning. (laughs) Oh God. I, I, God, I mean, that's not going to happen. I certainly hope we don't see any current or present UFC fighters competing in the Slap League uh, or past UFC fighters, but something tells me we'll see past UFC fighters fight, like, competing in that. Um, but I can assure you, I will not be watching it. I did not watch a second of it last night. I will not watch any of it. The only thing I've seen is like some celebrities... In some people in the space saying it's the stupidest thing ever. Apparently, there's going to be a pay-per-view. I thought I saw that somewhere, but what a... I mean, it's so stupid. It's just so stupid. I, I don't get it. Like, I honestly, I, I don't understand the excitement. There's none. Like... I mean it's just it's it's been complete misery. Everyone's just dumping on it. Like some people like are circusing it out and like who who don't watch MMA or anything like that and don't care about that stuff, but it's just so stupid. I'm so glad we're not covering that fucking ridiculousness. But what would be the worst option for Francis? Yeah, that would be the worst that would be the worst option for Francis. <laughs> Golly. But he would never do that. He would never do that shit. I hope nobody does. I hope nobody else. I hope there's no fighter out there who would needs money that badly to do that shit.
5: Jesus Christ. Uh, Hi, what's up, man? Um, I just got a few things to ask and address. My first uh, one is uh, how do you see the Adrian Yannis and Rob Font fight playing out? And where does that lead to the division regarding with that fight? And um, my other... Question I want to address is regarding Hamza Chimaev. I mean, I know people keep asking this, but really, what is next for him? You know, people keep saying he should be fighting uh, Covington or he should fight Whitaker, but then I also, you know, we haven't really seen much progress regarding him as to when we fight. And if they can't make um, schedule fights for with him with those two fighters, maybe they should go with the alternative route, maybe make him fight Cannonir uh, or Bilal. Let me know your thoughts on that. So thanks, Have a good day. Uh, thanks,
2: man. Honestly, like, someone brought this up. I I, I want to say it was on, on to the next one. Um, and if we can't get, like, one of these massive fights on the books, like if we can't get Whitaker or he doesn't get a title fight or anything like that, and he's going to fight. and it does, Even, like, with the whole division, the way that it is. Um, and he, if he's going to fight at 185, and a title shot is not on the cards for him. And Whitaker's not on the cards for him. Because if I'm Robert Whitaker, having a new champion right now, I want nothing to do with Hamzat Shemaev. It makes literally no sense for him to fight Hamzat. To go from Paulo Costa to Hamzat Shemaev, when you are in the best position you could potentially be in right now, like Whitaker could just sit out. Whitaker could just sit out right now. And if, Pereira beats Adesanya again. That's the direction they're going to go. And Pereira's even said in interviews that if this Izzy fight can't get done, they'll just go to Whitaker. So Whitaker signing on to fight Hamzat makes no sense for him. Uh, I'd, I'd be fascinated by the fight, but it does, does everything for Hamzat. and does nothing for Whitaker right now, um, especially with Pereira as the champion. Now, if Adesanya wins the rematch, they're going to run it back again. You kind of have to hope things fall the way you need them to. Uh, but it makes no sense for Whitaker to fight Hamza right now. If they offered him that fight and I'm his team, I'm like, no. Cool fight, but you're, you're the next in line with Pereira as the champion. So it makes no sense. Um, I don't know if you've seen pictures of Hamzad. He looks ginormous. Looks like he's been hitting the weights. I like Hamza versus... I mean, if they do Hamza Belal, I'm cool with that. But it doesn't... By most accounts right now, Just in just looking at photos of him, I don't see him going back down to 170. Uh, I'd love to see Colby. That'd be a really interesting fight. Bilal would be an interesting fight. I think you just kind of chuck him in there with whoever's ready. Someone suggested this, and I like this suggestion. Hamza versus Sean Strickland. I know they train together and stuff at, at Extreme Couture when when Hamzat's in town. Um, but I just feel like like Strickland would fight Hamzat. Strickland would fight anybody. So something like that. Maybe Cannoneer's in. Something like that. Cannoneer, Strickland's cool with that. Uh, but I honestly, he's he's such a mystery right now. I literally have no, I have no idea. I have no idea what he's going to do. I have no idea who he's going to fight. Yeah, and I don't think there's a ton of people knocking on his door to fight him. So, yeah, he's going to be an interesting story this year for sure. Let's go to Louser. Louser, are you there?
7: Yeah. Hi, Mike. Heck of a morning. Thanks. Sorry, my mind is just um, on like circus things because of a slap fight. I was just wondering with Jake Paul going to the PFL, do you think they'll have any? crossovers with influencers doing MMA instead of boxing. Do you think it could ever get to that point for in the PFL? I'm just influencers. Like instead of influencer boxing, like two influencers would have an MMA fight, but yeah, in the PFL too.
2: Um, yeah,
7: I I think in the PFL it could definitely happen.
2: I mean, you get Jake in there. It's, it just kind of makes sense. Right. Chuck it on an undercard, chuck it on a prelim. I mean, get you extra eyeballs. I wouldn't do like a full card full of them, but I, I talked about this before, but I remember I covered BKFC 19, Tampa, Florida. Uh, it was the Paige Van Zandt, Rachel Ostevich card. And we go out there and there's, we go to the press conferences and there's a bunch of social media influencers who are at the dais, including Blueface. uh, And they're going to have fights on the card. And I'm thinking to myself, damn, these influencers are going to go in there and have bare knuckle fights with each other. Like, that's kind of wrong. Kind of made me feel a little squeamish. But at the same token, the circus side of me was like, this is like, this is some gusto. And part of me was kind of intrigued by it uh, in a strange way wasn't proud of myself, but I kind of was uh, Was thinking that way. And then it turned out they wore boxing gloves and none of that mattered anyway. So whatever weird j- negative juju, caring about that, uh, went away rapidly. But yes, uh, to answer your question, yes, I do think it's going to happen. Probably in the PFL. Um, yeah, maybe they'll do it on those pay-per-views. Try to get some extra buys. And it's not a horrible idea. They're going to pay-per-view. They ain't going to sell a ton of them. So if you can get a couple extra buys by doing an influencer fight, go do it. But I wouldn't do like a whole card full of in- influencer fights because that would just be insane. But yeah, that's probably the road we're traveling. Jordan, hello. Jordan, are you there? Mike, how in heck
7: of a morning. <laughs>
2: Hello, sir. I just wanted to ask you, So, and this is just like, uh, I know uh, Bare Knuckle FC said they were going to go after Francis, and I know it's beyond unlikely. But how cool, not cool, how violent of an affair would it be to watch Francis and Big Ben Rothwell go at it in a Bare Knuckle FC fight? That's all. Have a heck of a morning. Can't wait for the watch along. Yes, Uh, thank you for for reminding me. Uh, Watch party this Saturday, UFC 283. We're going to have some fun leaving for New York super early in the morning on Saturday. Um, And we're definitely doing it in February as well. I've already booked all the travel for that, so we're good to go there. Um, And I think we're just going to keep on doing them. So uh, your boy's going to be in New York quite a bit over the next few months because there's a lot of pay-per-views. A lot of pay-per-views on on the docket between now and April 8th. Uh, So stay tuned. We're going to have some fun, uh, some trivia, all sorts of good stuff uh, to keep you engaged during and in between the fights. Francis versus Ben Rothwell and BKFC would just be ridiculous. Um, I don't know how they do it, but BKFC's got money. Like, they got money. I don't know where it's coming from. I know they got like some of that Triller money, but I mean, there's been plenty of reports about Triller's financing. I think they're gonna. I honestly do think they're gonna make a play at him. I would be. I mean, I would literally be stunned if he went that direction. But yeah, him and Rothwell would just be freaking bananas in that in that stage. But yeah, you're right. It's probably it's very likely not happening. But. We've all thought about it at one point, right? Francis and BKFC, scary thing. But I do feel like BKFC is going to make him a pretty competitive offer. I doubt he takes it, but there you go.
7: Let's go to James. Hi, James. Hey, Heck of a morning to you, Mike. Not first time, but it's been a Me long too. time. Um, uh, it has kind of all this talk about Francis. I kind of see one champion kind of sweeping in underneath the rug and snatching the big man, to come over and fight for their promotion. I would like to hear your thoughts on that. And also, um, does the UFC mess up by not having Moreno and Figgy as the, the headliner. I know, um, Historically speaking, usually they have the higher weight classes as the main event. But just this being the first time ever, uh, two guys have fought four times for the belt. And, I mean, personally for me, I know not everyone feels the same way, but I'm more excited for that fight than I am to watch Glover just have his way with sweet dreams at Jamal Hill for 25 minutes. But I had to hear your take on that, Mike. Like always, man, thank you for what you do for us. Happy birthday, AK, and have a heck of a morning. Thanks, James.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. But, yeah, it's it's obviously the lower weight class is part of it. And as much as I love me some Figgy versus Moreno, it's just not enough to carry a pay-per-view. It just isn't. Um, and it's unfortunate because this is – we're entering uncharted waters in a lot of ways, but – yeah, I think it's a, a great appetizer. This is, this is the Intercontinental title fight, and then the WWF title fight's the main event. Like, it all works out. It all works out. Um, but I get it. I get where you're coming from, but you put the big dudes in there, night's going to end viciously, more than likely. I don't think that fight's going five rounds. Uh, I don't even think it's getting going three rounds. While Figgy Moreno could could definitely go all five. So I don't know. I mean, I think we're gonna be happy either way. We're gonna get a, a great fight between Moreno and Figgy, and then we're gonna get a devastating finish in the main event. So we'll have a lot of craziness to talk about, I'm sure. But I get where you're coming from. Let's go to crypto. Hey crypto. How are
8: you? Doing? How are you? Good good thank you. So so first of all, uh, I just want to shout out Tok because I think his idea of Francis Ngannou against Pujanowski is is an amazing fight. <laughs> I really like it. Listen, Mike, I mean, let's be honest here. If we're going to do that dance where we pretend that Francis has a chance of beating Fury, Bionte, Usyk and so on in boxing, we might as well do the same dance with Pujanowski and pretend that he has a chance against Engano, right? And Personally, Mike, I would pay more money to see that fight. I mean, that would be such an amazing event to see the world's previous most strongest man. Um, and he, I think he holds the most amount of titles as well. So, he, I mean, he's a legend within that field against the meanest man. And even if that fight lasts for, I would assume, 17 seconds, if it's a long fight, it would still be amazing. So shout out to Toke. I, I think that is a great idea. I don't know why people are, are against it, because that would be so much fun. And as always, MMA is supposed to be fun. So, um, oh, yeah. And what, one one reflection before I ask my question, Mike, because this has been bugging me for, for a while, but it's becoming more apparent now uh, with this Francis Ngannou situation. And listen, I... I Usually never try to defend the UFC and so on. But there is one narrative that is completely false in this discussion, and that is the independent contracting discussion. I don't know where this comes from, Mike, but there's a bunch of fields of business where if you're contracted by someone, you are not allowed to do business with similar companies within co- or within the, that type of field of work and so on. And I'm actually one of those people. I'm an independent contractor. And trust me, make no mistake here. The contracts I get, Mike, they are, I mean, full of different terms, stipulations, demands, and so on. So when I work for specific companies, especially if they are bigger and within certain uh, areas of business, I am prohibited, actually, to do business uh, with their competitors, for example. Anything that I could do that could draw business from them to another competitor, I'm prohibited to do that. So I I just don't get this discussion. Now, do I agree with what the UFC does? Of course not. I think it's terrible. I would love to see the fighters uh, having their own sponsorship deals and being able to do whatever they want, fight whoever they want, go boxing and so on. But I just want to put this out there because it's not uncommon, Mike. It happens all around the world in different fields of, of businesses, so to say. So it's nothing strange. Uh, It happens among the top tech companies in the US. It happens here in Sweden. It is very common. So let's be honest about that and let's try to create change, but not by driving this false narrative that every other independent contractor can do whatever they want. Yeah, maybe if you're a plumber or if you do something else where new customers do not affect your, let's say, initial customer that you have a contract with. But there's a bunch of areas of of operation where you're not allowed to do that. But Mike, yeah, to my question, uh, Gregory Rodriguez and Bruno Ferreira, Uh, Or no, Mike, Mike, sorry. Greg, Greg Rodriguez. (laughs) (laughs) So Greg Rodriguez. I was surprised looking at the odds here. So Greg is a plus 185 underdog uh, against Ferreira. I want you, I want, well, there's two things I want. He wanna, is? Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm completely shocked. I mean, I just sold my house and put all the money on Greg, but but that's a different story. So, uh, no, just kidding. Um, but I'm surprised by that. So I want your take on that. I, I was just, like, in shock when I, when I saw that. And uh, personally, I think that is the low-key banger of this card. I think that is going to be a, a, a truly violent and uh, interesting fight. But, like, do you know why, or do you have any thoughts on why he's such? I mean, it's he's a substantial underdog. Ferreira is at minus two hundred and fifty currently, which surprises me. Uh, I would... I'm
2: looking. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at it right now. Gregor Rodriguez minus three hundred. Bruno Ferreira plus two hundred and fifty on DraftKings. Oh, but if you look at the UFC website, it... they screwed that up. They they definitely messed that up. Yeah. Uh, and I'm looking, I'm looking at best fight odds right now. Everybody has Rodriguez. The, the lowest Rodriguez is on any book is minus 286. And he's up to minus, all the way up to minus 340 in some, in some books. So he's a
8: massive favorite. Well, that was a useless question. In that case, my, <laughs> in that case, I don't have a question for you because I was confused by those odds. But now I understand why. Okay, I'll just get my coat and just yeah, thank you, bike. Uh, that's yeah, <laughs> thanks. No
2: problem. Yep. Yeah, Greg. Good old Greg. Good old Greg is a uh, is a big favorite, and I do agree with you. I think that has low key banger potential. That fight is not gonna. That fight's going under whatever the odds are for the over under. Um, both dudes just get in there and try to finish. And I, yeah, it's just going to be a crazy ass fight. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, let's go to Ani. I'm waiting for a minute. Ani, hello. Hello.
4: Right, let me gather my thoughts. First, uh, shout out to Tok. I think he makes great points always. And um, this point that he made about Johnny Walker and Paul Craig, I th- I-, I was actually holding it back uh, because I didn't want to sound like a dick uh, to those two fighters. But I honestly feel skill for skill. This is the lowest uh, skill level matchup if you know what i mean because when you um mma skill level to be precise and that's just a comment that i had about that fight i could be wrong but that's just how i feel and um i have one question for you um so when you look back in the next one or two years I, i i think i sent this to you a bit earlier i'm not sure if you saw it um when you look at performances from fighters Can you recollect maybe, you know, one or two perfect performances? By perfect, I mean 100%. Like, they make zero mistakes. For example, the way Tom Aspinall uh, defeated Volkov, uh, Max Holloway's performance against Calvin Cater, and we have uh, Islam's performance against um, Oliveira. Uh, Can you think of any other performances? And another thing, I didn't know it was AK's birthday today. Is it his birthday today? In that case, <laughs> in that case, um, happy birthday, AK. And uh, one final thought about the Peter Yan and Mirab Devalishvili fight. What do you think of that? Do you like that fight? Because uh, I don't, to be honest. I like the fight, but I do not like the matchup. Uh, Mirab said that he is not going to fight for the title as long as Ajame Sterling is the champion. Then in that case, why are we putting Mirab in title contention fights? It it it's ju- it, this just blocks the division. When you have a stacked division, why do you make such decisions? I mean, I think a better matchup would have been, I mean, uh, I don't know, maybe Yan needs to take some time off, but if you want to match up Mirab maybe put him up against someone like Ariki Ricky Simon or put him up someone put him up against someone like, um, you know what is the other guy's name? Uh, Umar Nurmagomedov. So meaningful fights, useful scalps or meaningful scalps, but Mirab shouldn't be in title contention fights, man. Like he just block the division because Mirab wins by outworking people and Pitayan tends to get outworked. I mean, these are my thoughts. Um, that's it from me, Mike. Uh, thank you for having me on. Have a heck of a morning.
2: Thanks, Sam. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised at the booking, to be honest with Like, I get it. There's a storyline there. It's in front of a crowd. Uh, a small crowd, but a crowd, nonetheless. It's, not hap- it's happening in Vegas. It's not happening at T-Mobile. It's not happening at the Apex. So that'll be cool. Like I, I like the fact that they're doing that. Um, Umar versus Marab was the fight to make. I think a lot of us are in agreement with that, but didn't happen. Now we get this one. I don't have the same issues with it as you do because I do feel like Sterling's time at bantamweight is very limited right now, and especially if these women's title fights come to fruition. Sterling ain't fighting until the earliest April. Um, and we have all these other fights going on. Like if, because who knows? Like they, Sterling, maybe the bicep injury is is worse for wear, and they have to go do an interim title fight between Cejudo and Sean O'Malley. Sterling will fight the winner, so it kind of slows things down. We got Sean O'Malley waiting in the wings, regardless, and then we got Cheeto Vera fighting Corey Sanhagen. And you have to believe if Cheeto wins, he's right there as well. And Jan's on a two-fight losing streak. Murad needs a win. I don't think it holds him up that much, honestly. Like, I think if Murad just goes... If Murad goes in there and just wins at the five-round decision, like, he's just going to be in the same spot, in my humble opinion. That's the way I see it. So I don't think it... I don't think it's a bad fight. Uh, if Jan wins, he gets right back into the into the thick of things, and now he's got to win over Sterling's guy and gives him kind of a leg up. But yeah, to me, it was the Umar fight. I wanted the Umar fight, but I have no issue with this one. I got no issue with it. Someone asked earlier about the Adrian Yanis Rob Font fight. Um, love it, absolutely love it. Um, I spoke with Adrian Janes. A couple weeks ago. Uh, stay tuned for that. Fun conversation. It's it's gonna be a great fight. It's gonna be a great fight. I have questions about both guys. For sure. But golly, that's that I mean that that it's a freaking banger. It's a freaking banger. So I don't know what they're gonna do with Simone and, and Umar right now. Maybe they'll match those two guys up, but yeah, I wanted to see. Umar versus Marab and looks like we're
9: gonna have to wait on that one. Julio, hey good hello. morning. How are you doing? Good. Are we talking about the slap league? God no. <laughs> That's what I wanted to comment about. <laughs> I didn't
2: second of it and I won't. So but you can talk about it.
9: Well, if you want. I did watch it. I, I didn't want to act like, you know, like oh I'm not gonna watch it and then end up watching it. So just just to see, you know, what it was working with. And you know, I, I wasn't too excited. I was watching it, it kind of felt like, you know, when you watch a TikTok video of, I don't know, like a street fire or something, and you see a knockout, you're like, oh, shit, you know, it was that kind of thing. Was it more like, you know, watching an entertaining fire when you're just so into it, like, oh, like a good knockout, a good submission or something. That's kind of how I felt. Uh, I would be interested to see what a live event would look like, because I don't know, maybe it might be a little more exciting that way to hear the crowd or something. But I mean, overall, I'm not too excited about the same structure. It was like the um, getting competitors to the reality stuff of like you know the Ultimate Fighter, getting them into a house and all that stuff. Like we've already seen that all all that Ultimate Fighter reality show stuff. So yeah, I don't know how long this this will go. It wasn't too like too crazy or too exciting or anything different. I'm assuming it's going to be the same ultimate fighter structure that, that Dana's just stuck on. So yeah, I mean, I watched it. I, I just wanted to give it a try at least. So that was my only comment. Thank you. There you go. Um, listen. Yeah. You scratch the itch. And now you know that
2: you probably don't need to watch anymore. Cause it's the dumbest fucking thing in the whole world. Uh, <laughs> no disrespect. I'm not tra- not dumping on you. I'm dumping on the concept. Um, and if you watch watching AEW and you're just like, oh, what's this? I'm sure you're not getting to episode two. Uh, at least that seems to be the reaction that I have seen from most people. Uh, Viking, hello. Viking! Viking! You're muted!
5: Hello, Mike. Hello. Hello. Uh, I just want to say sorry about the background noise because my sister's kid is screaming like, screaming like, uh, I don't know, like what. But uh, I just want to talk about uh, Islam and his brother, uh, Usman al So just like Habib said that, uh, you know, Islam is going to defend his title, for maybe uh, six times, and that's it. And then he's going to be retired. So, uh, so when do you see uh, Usman Gomedo switching promotions and coming into the UFC? Is it going to happen according to you, or not? Uh, thank you, Mike.
2: Um, uh, probably at some point. I mean. I think he's going to be, I mean, I, I, I just don't see anybody and I don't know. He's so young and he's, he's got room to grow still, which is absolutely frightening. I just don't know if anybody at 155 beats him in Bellator. Like, I don't think AJ beats him. Messiah's interesting, but I still think I would pick Usman pretty easily to win that fight. Um, I just think it's like you get through the Grand Prix and then you get a couple of defenses under your belt. And I just think at some point he's just going to get bored. Like, and this is no disrespect to the Bellator roster because they have the second best roster in the sport and it's not debatable. UFC is the top one, Bellator is number two, non-debate. But eventually he's going to want to test himself when he hits his athletic peak against the true best lightweights in the world. And by the time he gets to that point, he's going to be in that conversation of, is Usman or Magomedov the best lightweight in the world? Like, he's not in the UFC, but is he the best lightweight in the world? Is he going to be kind of the way we looked at A.J. McKee after he beat Patricia Pitbull? Is he the best featherweight in the world? So, yeah, man. I think it happens at some point, but if I'm Bellator, I am not letting it happen. I'm just I'm locking this guy up and throwing everything at him. Cause he's 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 that good. But I think at some point he will he will he will get there. But it probably won't be for a while. I'll probably be in like my mid forties. Which is frightening because he won't even be thirty yet. So yeah, do I think it happens? Yes. Do I think it happens anytime soon? No.
7: Four quarter sports. I'm glad he got Viking MMA this time ahead of me. I didn't want to steal his point. But uh, (laughs) I just wanted to say is this the year of Jelson Almeida? Is this the year we're going to see him make a huge impact in the heavyweight division? All right. Because I'm on the subway. Oh, yeah, I lost you. Uh, But I got your
2: question. Is this going to be the year of Jelson Almeida? Uh, God, I hope so. It's just getting him reps. It's getting him in the cage. That's been the thing. He's been booked with Shamil like 783 times, and it's fallen out every single time. So hopefully the 784th time is the charm. Jailton goes out there. He's going to he's going to absolutely destroy Shamil durr Like, Shamil is tough as hell, but gonna has got to Jailton him. And then we'll see where he goes from there. But... Yeah, push this dude to the moon. And just give him give him step ups after step-ups after step ups. You chuck him in there with like marching tybor next. I, I just let's go. If he does what I think he's gonna do on Saturday, just strap the rockets to him and let's do this thing. All right, I'll take a couple more. Uh, I got like three more minutes so I'll get see what, I, what we can do here. Amelia. Hello
10: Mike, it's good to be back. Uh, thanks for having me once again. Uh, yeah, I I guess it, it, it's been a week. you know I think it was last week or the beginning of this week. doesn't matter. The point is that I remember the last time that we talked uh, I asked you how big of a deal it would be if Francis was able to. Uh, if Francis, you know, uh, went into free agency and uh, signed with the PFL, like how big would that be? Well, to be honest, I know, I know for I know that it's still not 100 percent sure where Francis is headed uh, right now, but it's I gotta say, man, I am super, super happy about the fact that uh, I guess it's I'm happy, but I'm bittersweet it's bittersweet at the same time to see Francis leave the UFC. You can say what you want to. Like, I love the UFC, man. I've I've been watching since I don't know, like 2012 or 2011. I remember just skipping through the channels uh, like on TV one night, and then all of a sudden, boom, Cain Velasquez versus Big Ben Rothwell was just in in my screen, and ever since then, I've been a huge fan. Um, but the fact is that the UFC. They're getting comfortable. They've been comfortable for for a while now, uh, as the number one MMA promotion in the world, well deserved as well. But I feel like I remember last time that we talked. You said that if Francis left the UFC, that this could be some sort of this could kickstart a domino effect. And I really, really hope, as as much as it sucks not being able to see, like we're not going to get to see uh, John fight Francis anymore. Um, I think that in the long run, this is going to be great. You know, sometimes you got to fall in order to grow. And I really, really hope that this is the start of... I mean, and this is me just being super, super hopeful. But uh, I hope that this is the start of something where, you know, maybe this leads other fighters thinking to themselves, huh, I think I'm going to start doing... I, I think I'm going to do what Francis did... Uh or not not copy paste the exact same strategy not everybody's as gifted and as marketable as francis but you know if we're talking about all these things like fighter pay and insurance health insurance like for fighters and you know like so that we feel a little bit better about ourselves and the sport that we love um And as much as I hate, you know, seeing Francis go, I think that in the long run this could be something really great Uh, if he signs for an an MMA promotion. Because if he goes and does boxing, like, I love boxing as well. But honestly, like, it's just, I I don't want to see that shit. I want to see that shit. I want to see the start of a movement. But anyways, that's uh, that's my quote-unquote rant over. I'm just... I'm just happy that that he's out there doing this thing, and maybe this is the start of something for uh, like of so, something big, like a shift in the in the power structure of the MMA promotion universe um, to kind of balance the scales a little bit more. Because otherwise, the UFC is just not going to give a shit, and they're not going to try to make any changes to improve their product. You know, if they have the monopoly, then yeah. who the fuck cares? But anyways, that's it.
2: Thanks, Mike. Peace out. Uh, Thanks, man. Appreciate it. (sighs) I'll react to this as quickly as I can. Uh, Don't hold your breath. Don't hold your breath. How many people, and Ariel talked about this yesterday, and this is something that I've thought about, how many people have actually been like, yeah, Francis, good job, bro. I support you. Nobody. That tells you everything you need to know. Nothing's going to change, man. It's just not. It's just not going to change. This is it. Fighters had two chances to do it, and they didn't. They could have done it in 2016, and they could have done it with the ESPN deal, and they didn't do it. People shit on Joe Lozon all the time for giving his opinion about unions and being real with it. He is not wrong. He's not wrong. they're just not you're not going to be able to get 700 fighters together to agree on this. It's just not going to. The big stars are happy with where they're at. They don't want to rock the boat and the 10 and ten fighters or the 12 and 12 fighters they don't want to rock the boat because they finally made it to the UFC. they're just not going to get those guys on board like the middle of the pack guys. Like they could make an impact, but you're not gonna get the big stars in there. You're just not going to. So Yeah, don't hold your breath. All right. Real quick, this is gonna be like rapid fire. I'm gonna give thirty seconds to each of you. Rips and picks, go.
10: What's up, Mike? Uh just wanted to have your quick just kind of outlook on the one seventy division. I mean, we got Colby, Hamzat, Bilal sitting pretty much in the top five and no one really knows what's going to happen with them, uh, so just curious where you think this division is going to end at, at the end of twenty twenty three.
2: Thanks, Mike. Yeah, I, it's a great question. I picked Hamza Shmaif as my champion, but I just I have no confidence in that pick just because I don't know what the hell he's going to do. So if he fight if Hamza fights at one seventy, he's going to be the champion at the end of the year. But will he fight at one seventy? Like, Bilal's there. Gilbert Burns is there. We still got to see what happens with Usman and, and Edwards. I mean, it's going to be a slow, slow year for the welterweight division. So, strap in. It's going to be a long ride. Uh, let's go to Arc Africa. Arc, do we have you?
0: yes um, you yes, yes you guys have me hello hello mike what's up i oh, know i'm all good so basically my question that i wanted to pose to you is based on the volkanovsky and islam Makhachev fight that's going to happen my question is that if volkanovsky loses his fight against Makhachev what's next for him close mike
2: Thanks, man. Uh, it's pretty easy. Uh, he'll just fight the winner of the interim title fight, Josh Emmett versus Yair Rodriguez, and then go from there. Um, the more interesting question is, what happens if he wins? Because to me, it makes no sense for him to still be the featherweight champion if he beats Islam Makhachev. Makes no sense. Why would like? I, I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to go back and forth and do all this. Why? Why would you do that? All the money is, like, the big money fights for Volk are at 55, all of them. Volk Poirier, Volk Chandler, Volk Connor, Volk Oliveira, Volk Gaichi. Like, those are big fights. Those are big money fights. So, I honestly, the more interesting question is what happens if Volk wins? If he loses, he's just going to fight the Emmett Yair winner and probably – Smoke him, which goes back to uh, Ani's question real quick. Perfect performances. Holloway's was great against Calvin Cater. Spectacular. But he took, a, he took a lot of damage in that fight, despite the incredible offensive numbers he put up. So I'm not even going to put that up there. It's one of the all-time great performances. Says a lot about both guys. Um, but he, 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 got, he got hit a lot in that fight. So I'll call, I will not call that a perfect performance. Uh, the ones that stick out, Volkanovsky, I would say both of his title defenses last year are about as close as perfect as you can get. I mean, he beat the shit out of the Korean Zombie to the point where I actually felt bad for Zombie. I'm like begging the referee to stop the fight. Uh, that was incredible. To me, that was one of the all-time great title defenses. And then the Max Holloway one was even more ridiculous. It was actually even better. Uh, so those two stick out. And the other one that sticks out to me is the Valentina Shevchenko, Jessica Andrade win. She had this, just, just this chip on her shoulder that, you know, people were like, oh, if anybody can do it, it's Jessica. And Shevchenko's like, oh, really fool? Watch this. Perfect game. Perfect game. Caitlin Kaitlyn Um, The Murphy one to a certain extent. So yeah, those are the ones that stick out to me. But to answer your question, Volk's going to fight the interim championship winner if he loses to Malkichef. Can't wait for that fight. We'll have a watch party, and by the time that fight happens, I will. it'll be on my 40th birthday by the time those two actually fight. So a lot to look forward to. All right, MMA locker room. Close us out. Man, what's going on, everybody, man? Can't wait to watch the watch party with you and Connor Burks, man.
0: Love what you guys doing over there. Let's go! But, yeah, man, one thing we got to remember, a lot of people try to compare MMA to these other sports and saying they should have this, they should have this. They're not labeled a sport. So I think that's the one thing right there to where it's kind of never going to change like that. Like Al Jermaine Sterling said it, you know, this company's been running the same way it has before I came. Who am I to try to change it? So I, I think that's kind of where, you know, a lot of people got to look at this. Once it's, if it was labeled a sport, then it would maybe have all these unions and health care and benefits and stuff like that. But this is my real take. Out of the 11 fighters that got cut by the UFC, which one of them do you think was wrongfully cut? Pavia, Eubanks, Trezano, Rojo, Davis, Morales, Natabadad, Gadazi, Perez, Perrin, Ludovic, Shalom.
2: Interesting question. Uh, I saw the purge. Um, let me just pull them up. Um, the ones that I saw, but you have to, you have to remember too, just because the bot put it out. Doesn't mean they were like, doesn't mean like they got released. Like Trezano. I remember said like, he bet on himself. That was the last fight on his deal. Um, so it doesn't mean he can't go back, and there might be a few others in that as well. Uh, I know Vince Morales said he was cut. I'm sure Natividad was cut. Uh, Piva could be in an interesting position. I don't think any Jay Perrin. Um, I don't think any of them like really shock me. Honestly, no, none of them really like shock me. But again, we don't know they could have just fought out their deals and haven't been re-signed. Like, Mickey Gall's name popped up on there, and Mickey was, no, I just fought out my deal. Probably going to re-sign down the line. So we, we don't know. We don't know all the stories yet. We haven't confirmed all of them yet. So uh, we will see where we are at. Um, yeah, Brandon Davis is another, another one. So Ubanks. Eubanks was another one. That one definitely doesn't surprise me. You just, just too many mis mishaps on the scale. Record not tremendous. Talents, but doesn't show up every single time. Yeah, none of them really surprise me. And to your other point about MMA not being to the level of those other sports, of course. They're definitely not. Um, the problem is the man, the face of the company has been saying since the beginning we're going to be we're going to be bigger than the nfl we're going to be up there with the world cup we're going to be up there with all this like his goal is to be up there to be compared to all those sports and be in that same discussion well you can't and that's the big point you can't it's not going to happen and if it does happen i'm gonna be dead and buried it ain't happening anytime soon um And that's why it is so important for these other promotions to just do what we say. Do the thing. Just go do the thing. Let's make this interesting. Let's make this interesting. Because I don't think Francis is going to be like the domino that gets everybody to leave or anything like that. But, yeah, do, do I think it's going to be impactful? Sure. If he, wherever he goes, it's going to make some difference, 100%. Like, if he signs with Bellator, that opens things up for Bellator. Signs with PFL, opens things up for PFL, 1,000,000%. Someone mentioned one earlier. I would, I would like to – I mean, if he goes to one cool, I just don't think that happens. There have been fighters who have spoken out about contracts and being stuck in deals with one. And I'm sure Francis, being as smart as he is, is well aware of that. So I, I think one should take a shot at him. I just don't know if they're going to get him. Um, but you could also give Francis the option of doing other things. Ryzen could be interesting because he could do a whole bunch of different shit with them. But ultimately, I think it's Bellator, PFL... And I do think, depending on how long this takes, I think the UFC's in play. Like, I do. I don't think he's re- going back there this year. But, again, he's in – Francis is in this position. It's a very risky one. But like I said earlier, if John Jones just goes out and melts Cyril Gan and melts Stipe, like, Francis's value goes through the roof. Because that's, that's the only fight anyone's going to want to see at that point. Now, who knows what, J- what like Jelton Almeida does and some of these other guys. But like John's in big fight territory. And if John just goes out and melts those two guys, and he calls out Francis, if Francis hasn't locked up with anybody, like everyone's going to be clamoring for that fight. And I think the UFC would probably budge on some of the things. Not all of them but they might come a little more correct to Francis because they understand everyone would want to see that fight. I don't know. Francis is in an interesting spot. And we'll see what happens. All right, I got to go. BTL, 1230. Hour and seven minutes from right now. No Jed this week. Uh, Jose Young is going to step in. We don't get to see Jose on these programs all that often during a UFC pay-per-view fight week, but he is in a rare place where he's not out in Brazil covering this event. Uh, our own Guilherme Cruz is out there covering this one. So uh, Jose is going to jump on. We're going to talk about a lot of the stuff we talked about here, take some questions at the end, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll see you in about an hour, and we'll see you here tomorrow, I think? Yeah, I think so. The weigh-ins are, like, early in the morning. I think they're at 7 a.m. Eastern, so we'll react to all of it. On this show tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern. And then uh, off to New York for the watch party and UFC 283. So get excited, everybody. So until then, have a great rest of your day and have a heck of a morning.